All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the pre-MLB draft show, the first half recap for Motor City Metrics uh, with myself, John Uper, and a special guest, Trevor Hoth, I believe that's how you say it. Hoth. Hoth. Sorry, I'm terrible with pronunciation. <laughs> that is all right. Browns of Booth. But yes, thank you, everyone, for joining. We've got a big, big night ahead of us. Obviously, the main show starts at 7 with Raj. Chris, uh, Scott Bentley, we're going to be a really, really exciting show. But for the first hour of the show, we're just going to kind of talk about the first half, do a recap. Uh, we got some questions for you guys. And yeah, it should be really, really fun. Before we get started, though, we just wanted to make sure you guys subscribe to the Motor City Metrics YouTube channel. Um, would really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, without further ado, uh, I think we should probably just get into this weekend and what went down with the Tigers. So I'll start with our guest first, Trevor. Um, what did you see with the Tigers and Blue Jays series this weekend? Um, well, to be honest with you, I hadn't. I, this is one series I haven't had, got to you know, gotten to watch a whole, a whole lot of. But uh, I've been hearing some great, great things. Uh, you know, uh, Matt Manning had a had a semi decent outing. I've heard uh, he did okay. Uh, no, it's it's you know, this past weekend. I think the Tigers picked up a couple wins, right? That's that's just what we're looking for. It was there was a rough stretch. They've been playing pretty well. I love this disappearing hat. It's very distracting while I'm trying to talk, but um, it's it's good. This is a team that when you came into the year, the the front office, the new front office, very vocal. We're going to let the young guys play. We're going to see what we have. And it was a rough starts, and it seems like there's been improvement as the years gone as the years gone on. And I think that's kind of. My biggest takeaway, I know that doesn't answer the series question, but overall, I think, you know, winning a couple against the Blue Jays, who are a pretty good baseball team, I think that speaks to some some improvement. I mean, it's not the A's who apparently are, are really good, but um, but but you've seen the Tigers get better, and I think that's what you're looking for. Yeah, what about you, Yoop? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, this weekend was a little different for me. I'm traveling this weekend. I came home in Upper Michigan, and we we're at a rental house on Lake Superior, um, and I forgot that, you know, I stream most games. I'm actually blacked out of Tiger games up here. <laughs> so uh, I listened on the radio quite a bit. And it was really fun to listen to a couple games on the radio for a change of pace. Uh, Greg Agania was in from Erie to do the games. and He's wonderful. Um, you know, the Tigers, they won a great game with the, with the combined no-hitter yesterday. It was a lot of fun to listen to. Some people poo-poo combined no-hitters as, quote-unquote, not a thing. Well, you know, it's something. It was fun. You know, it's, fun is good. This is a game, right? So uh, that was pretty impressive. They did it to a good lineup. Matt Manning, uh, from everything I was hearing, and then the highlights I did get to watch uh, online later. Um, tell you what, he was generating some swing and miss, and that looked like a different version of Matt Manning than we've seen off, uh, a few times in the past. So that was uh, very encouraging. And then, you know, uh, the bullpen just did a good job of finishing it off, you know. Uh, so we got to – unfortunately, that didn't happen today. Uh, Alex Lane got touched up for the home run uh, when he was, you know, a couple strikes away from uh, ending that thing. It was a tough loss, let's face it. I mean, you don't like to go into the break on a bitter loss like that, but uh, what are you going to do? I you really think before you blame Alex Lane, because, you know, a, home, a straight home run here and there, that's going to happen. One thing about this team, whatever bright spots you care to look at, what you don't see is the offense taking big strides forward. And it's going to be helpful having Riley Green back. But I thought today was the prime example of a game where they just never could put that uh, put-away run on the board. You know, they couldn't put them out. They're up 3 nothing. They couldn't make it 4-5-0. Uh, they never get that, seemingly anyway, never get that stray solo homer late in the game that stretches the lead. And that came back to bite them a little today. Yeah, that's what I was kind of worried about. But my main takeaway is just, like, seeing them get healthy and seeing the lineup kind of lengthen – like we've seen Javier Baez now batting in the sixth spot. And it kind of gives you hope for the future with Riley Green hitting second today, Torkelson hitting third, and then Kerry Carpenter hitting fourth. And then you obviously have Badu back. You have McKinstry at the top of the lineup. It, it kind of makes you wonder what this lineup can do long-term when it is finally healthy. And it's kind of been really exciting to see. I mean, Riley Green's looked great since she's been back. Obviously, homering today, had two hits and two walks in this first game. Torkelson's been hitting the ball well. And then Matt Manning and Tarek Skubal with back-to-back -back really, really good starts. 
Uh, it really makes you wish you could see those two healthy for a full season, along with Casey Mize, to see how good those three can be at the top of the rotation. But, I mean, that would be my main takeaway is just seeing this team finally get healthy. It's been pretty exciting to watch. And, like, they hung in there with one of the better teams in the AL uh, in this three-game series. And I think a lot of people could agree that's a series they probably should have won. And, you know, just to that that point to kind of uh, build off of what you two are saying, right? When you talk about that lineup, you're talking about Zach McKinstry, Akil Badu, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson. These are all really, really young guys. Yep. And you're saying, you know, you can't get that that put-away run. That is where's that's where the veterans on in lineups tend to come in, right? They know how important that last run is. They know how important that extra insurance run is. And the Tigers veterans right now are Javi Baez, right? So it's just it's just a young lineup. And I think that that when we talk about seeing the improvement, I mean, this far into a rebuild, you'd like to see a little bit more, but we are where we are, right? So we have this young lineup and figuring out who's going to be the guy that can step up and bring that insurance run in that that secures you the win. I think that's part of the next step of going from just a young team that has some potential to becoming a good team that's going to be making a run uh, in, in the AL Central. Yeah, like this was a game I think a good team should have won. Like it feel, I felt like every inning they had runners in scoring position. It just didn't seem like they could get that big hit um, yeah, to push them forward. But well, um, Trevor's right. I mean, at some point, yeah, uh, guys who you know can take that extra base when they need it. Somebody who can push the ball to the opposite field uh, just to move a runner over can get that crucial run. And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. that two-run homer by Danny Jansen would have just made it a, a four-three game instead of a three-three game. Yeah. Oop, did you have anything to add, Trevor? I was just—I uh, mean, just savor the moment because the prospect guy was right about something with veterans. That doesn't happen a lot. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes, but yeah, that's just kind of touching on what's been going on recently, but we kind of are going to do a first half overview and we do have some questions if you guys want to play along in the chat. So we want to hear from you. We have four questions. The first half grade for the Tigers, uh, the biggest surprise in the first half for the Tigers, the biggest disappointment for the Tigers, and then your first half MVP. I know me and you were kind of touched on that last show, but we want to hear Obviously, Trevor's opinion and then the opinion of the people watching at home. So if we want to start off, we'll go around the room with the grade for the first half. So the Tigers go 39 and 50. They are five and a half games out of first place. So still very much in the race for the Central. Youper, I'll start with you with your first half grade for the Detroit Tigers. I'm someone who always bases everything off of C, right? C is average. Um, you know, this is a, a team that, for all the things that we like that we've seen, uh, some of the positive notes, it's still a, game, a team that's 11 games under 500 and a team with an offense that, uh, you know, isn't very competitive on a lot of nights. I think the most you can give the first half for this club is about a D plus. You know, uh, I think that's even being a little bit generous. Uh, I didn't expect a lot. So maybe if you're going to give them a C, that's the only reason is the expectations were low. But you know, and that's not to say that, you know, this is a horrible baseball team and there's no future. Certainly there is. Uh, but the way they performed right now, it's a D plus for me. All right, Trevor, what about you? You know, I am an eternal optimist when it comes to the Tigers for some reason. <laughs> um, I always like to look at the, the bright side and see, hey, what's good? What, what are they doing well? Where could they... I think – it's hard to say this because of how the major league level has performed. Right. Um, and that, uh, but I want to say a C plus, I think it, it's, we didn't expect much like you've said that they, we didn't think the tigers were going to be that good. You hope they'd be a little bit better. I think they had a really rough stretch. They played decently well, but when you look at what the team is and what, what the team wants to do, which is again, play the young guys, that's what I'm hanging on to. He said it. And that's what I, what I'm hanging on to. Okay. <laughs> but you look at it, Spencer Torkelson is hitting the crap out of the ball for lack of a better term. He's hitting the ball so hard, right? That's a plus. Uh, they've dealt pretty well for the second year in a row with a ridiculous amount of injuries. I think that's a plus. I think they've shown their pitching depth, which uh, is something that I'm definitely going to talk about during the draft show also. Um, mm -hmm. And when you look at the organization as a whole, you're seeing some hitting prospects who are really starting to come into their own. I mean, uh, uh, Colt Keith obviously has taken massive leaps in the, in the, um, public eye like the rest of the world's eye the tigers fans already knew it the tiger prospects people already knew it but 
Colt Keith has taken huge jumps. Uh, we're seeing Parker Meadows start to wake up a little bit. Justin Henry Malloy, I think, is you know he's doing well. We could see him soon. So I think just based on the fact that they're getting these big performances from guys, maybe you don't get. I mean, Andy Ibanez the other day was just having a, a great performance. I just overall, I think you can say that they're having a little bit above average based on my expectations coming in and based on the organization as a whole, not necessarily just at the major league level. Yeah. I think I would lean towards you, Trevor. I try to be as optimistic as possible. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go a, a B because I think there, there's things that are important and there's things that are, are not so important to me. What's important is Riley green, you know, hitting well and showing he could be a middle of the order hitter. I think that's a positive. Mm -hmm. Spencer Torkelson showing considerable improvement. He looks like a 20 to 25 homer guy. That's a big check as well. I think getting Manning back healthy, we're going to see what he's going to do. We've mm -hmm. now had Scubu who's back healthy. I think Eduardo Rodriguez pitching well. That's a trade chip for you. Jason Foley, that's another trade chip. And then Zach McKinstry uh, showing that Scott Harris can find these under-the-radar pickups that a lot of people will look at and not really bat an eye over. Same thing with Andy Abanez and Tyler Holton. Um, I think there's been a lot of positives for the Tigers. I think injuries, if we're being realistic, if this team didn't suffer the, the injuries that it did, I'm not saying they'd be winning the division, but I think they'd definitely be a lot closer to first place than they are. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm going to stick to the positive side. I'm not too, you know, in tap with what's going down in the minors, I, but I know Colt Key's been fantastic. Justin Henry Malloy is showing a lot of promise as well. But mm -hmm. I, I'm going to go on the positive side and, and say a B. But, I like, I do think it's a very incomplete grade because, you know, Spencer Torkelson can have a really rough second half, and then fans are going to kind of – uh, change their opinion on that. Riley Green, as good as he's been, it's been a very limited number of at-bats. Kerry Carpenter has been good, but in a very limited number of at-bats. Um, but I think so far, I, I'd say this season is a success for the Detroit Tigers. So I would go with a B. And, um, yeah, just going into the comments to read uh, what some people thought. Uh, we had a D plus, B minus. So kind of all over the board. Uh, it really just depends on who you're asking. But um, it depends on the day you're asking, right? You know, if they'd have won that game today, people, I think the grade goes up a little for some people because it's, it's always the what have you done for me lately. But uh, it just depends on, you know, do you want to forget about the win-loss record and just look at each individual and see who's made progress? And if enough of them have made progress in your eyes, then, yeah, it's, it's been an okay first half. And they certainly dealt with a lot of injuries. I mean – there are people out there who say, well, that's just making excuses. No. I mean, they've had an absurd amount of injuries that they've tried to overcome. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they, they didn't always overcome it. They had that big nine-game losing streak. And kind of set things on a bad path for a while. And at the end of the day, you are what your record says you are. You're 11 games under 500. Yeah. You, you know, you I'd love to forget about win-loss record. I think we just take it out of baseball completely. That would help the Tigers <laughs> a lot. Uh, but – you know, but we, we, when you talk about all of this pitching, right, they did it two years in a row. They've done it for two years now where yeah. they just have players come up, and these are players that even the prospectors are saying they might not be viable starters in the, at the big league level. And they come up, and they are serviceable starters. They're not yeah. superstars. They're not frontline rotation guys. But the depth in the starting pitching is amazing. I mean, just, just think about uh, last year when you get Alex Fiedo coming back. Everybody's yeah. saying before he gets hurt that he's on a – trajectory to be a middle reliever and by everybody i mean probably just me but that's what i thought and <laughs> and then he comes in he comes off of injury makes like two rehab starts in lakeland florida in single a and then comes up to detroit and is a viable starter reese olsen this year everybody's saying he doesn't have a good enough fastball to start long term potentially true i don't i i'm a, as big an olsen fan as anybody maybe the biggest he has really good off-speed stuff he gets a lot of whiffs but his fastball isn't that great i know that but he comes up and he's out there putting in work and giving the team a chance to win. And that kind of pitching depth is something that I think has been a huge strength for the Tigers over the last couple of years. And it's kind of amazing just the sheer number of depth starters they've had to pull up and the sheer number that have actually worked out. I mean, Garrett Hill is another example that, that just goes on and on. And yeah. the fact that you can get your regular starting rotation back after losing all of it for two years in a row, that and still be okay. I mean, that is a huge strength. And I think that's something that is a very good point for the Tigers right now. 
Yeah. Um, but moving on to our, our next question, it was the biggest surprise of the season. So if you guys want to continue to play along in the chat, your biggest surprise of the 2023 season. Uh, Trevor, I'll start with you. What has been your biggest surprise for the season so far? <laughs> it's it's a cop-out answer, but I genuinely, genuinely thought that just playing the odds, I really thought that the Tigers couldn't lose 15 players to injury again. I really thought that wasn't going to happen two years in a row. I mean, you think, okay, we went through it last year. Now we can have a healthy year. And it turns out uh, the injury gods do not care about odds. They just want to hurt people. <laughs> so I think it, it's kind of a cop-out answer because we've been talking about it. But it just I really just constantly struck every time that I see how many people are physically injured yeah. <laughs> on, on the Tigers for two years in a row. What about you, Yuke? Well, you know, there's a few. I've, you know, when you mentioned some of the positives, well, we already talked about them, but I'll, I'll talk about them a little bit more. For me, it's Reese Olsen. And uh, I'm a little bit uh, shaded by the fact that I saw him here in Des Moines this spring in what turned out to be his last bad start. So I had bad timing, right? He, 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 I saw him pitch here in Des Moines Well, when I was in Des Moines. Um, and he looked really mediocre. Uh, he was touching 97 in the first inning, but by the uh, third or fourth inning, he was down to 92. He'd really lost his velocity, uh, you know, was working from behind uh hitter after hitter and boy if you saw him that night you would not imagine a month later he was going to be in the big leagues and getting people out <laughs> so uh and then once he did that he's managed to stay and has looked really impressive uh he's he's worked in some awkward roles he's had some starts he's had some some uh piggyback starts and some middle relief like today and whatever he's done he's gone out there and thrown strikes and adapted and uh, gotten the job done to this point. So, uh, like I say, if you had saw him in Des Moines, you would not have seen this coming. So that's why I'll count him as my biggest surprise. And my other sort of biggest surprise is good old Miguel Cabrera uh, has turned it on in spot duty and has had a nice month here where he has – he's not the Miggy of old, but he's not the Miggy we saw uh, at the end of last year when he really couldn't do much. So that's been fun. Yeah, I. Oop, did you have something, Trevor? Uh, I was just gonna say we might get uh, an Albert Pujols moment out of Miggy. Maybe he'll get to 700 home runs. He's pretty far away, but that'd be, that'd be a great seat. It'd be a great second half. Yes. That would that would be a good <laughs> second half. Um, yeah, there have been a lot of surprises. That I have one in particular, but I kind of want to save that for a, another topic. So I'm just gonna go with Tyler Holton. I think he's been the biggest surprise. I think a lot of people. Didn't really even expect him to be on this roster. And Nobody heard of him. <laughs> yeah, no one had heard of him. He's a rookie. Um, I believe a ninth round pick. Um, obviously, they picked him up from Arizona. ERA's been under two. He's been an absolute workhorse for the Tigers this year. I think he's been the biggest surprise for Detroit. Um, like other guys, you can look at Matt Veerling. I think he's been pretty surprising as well. Um, even Riley Green, to some extent, I didn't think he would be as good as he's been. But I think, you know, overall, for, through the whole season, Holton's been healthy and just been an absolute workhorse out of that bullpen. So, to me, he'd, he'd have to be my biggest surprise. It's sad that there's so many players that are going through my head right now that you could say, wow, that's a big surprise. I mean, you could still add Jake Rogers, who we haven't talked about. I think you can make a case for Kerry Carpenter a little bit. Maybe that's just me because I wasn't the highest on him when he was a prospect. But the, the, what he's doing right now, I, I mean, it's just there's, the list seems endless on this roster. And that is – I mean, that speaks to the win-loss record, I think. I'm not, What I like about Holton is just a, from a personal aspect, whenever I see him pitch, I don't feel stressed. The guy has some nice, easy innings. He seems like he just mows through people. Uh, I don't know how long he'll keep it up, but it sure is fun. <laughs> I think I think Hinch uh, appreciates that out of him also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put um, him in, keep the heart rate down for three outs. <laughs> exactly. Yes. But moving on to our next topic, I think I have a prediction that we're going to have similar answers, but we'll see. Uh, our biggest disappointment, uh, and again, if you guys want to play along in the comments, what is your biggest disappointment so far this year for the Detroit Tigers? Youper, I'll throw it over to you. What has been your biggest disappointment so far this year? Well, uh, we've talked a lot about injuries, so let's kind of move past that. Certainly, we were like I was, you know, agree with uh, Trevor. 
I would never have expected to be this bad again, but it was. Uh, in terms of disappointment, you know, some guys I wasn't, I wasn't surprised that they struggled, and I'm not surprised to see Javi Baez go through long stretches where he's waving at stuff. Uh, and, you know, he looks like an easy out. Uh, I'm not that surprised that Jonathan Scope uh, was DFA yesterday uh, because it just had to happen. So I would say my biggest surprise, or excuse me, biggest disappointment. I'm a big Spencer Torkelson fan, and he is hitting the ball hard, and I do appreciate that. And I'll say this. He has improved. He's better this year than he was last year. And if he's better again next year, great. I still want to judge everything in his totality at the end of the year. But I did think he would be a little bit further ahead at this point uh, in the season. He's had some good stretches, but he's also had that, you know, that whatever it was, that four for 52 <laughs> where he looked helpless. Um, I don't know. For a while there, he had his strikeout rate cut. Now it's kind of creeped up back to last year's. His walk rate is kind of close to last year's. So we haven't seen a leap yet. We have seen a little skip of improvement. So I was hoping for a little bit more. I'm not hugely disappointed. I still think he has a good future. But that's kind of where I was hoping to see a little bit more. What about you, Trevor? Man, I I am kind of pleased with with torque just because he's he's hitting the ball just to keep that conversation going and i've said it once i've tweeted it about 80 times i'll say it again spencer torkelson was rushed by a front office who was on their last legs they said we need him up we need him up because he's going to save our jobs and he got pushed through especially after losing 2020 which was his draft year he lost a full year of development he played a couple weeks of college ball then got taken first overall and he would start slow at every level, and then he would hit a hot streak for like a week, and then they'd say, okay, next level, you're good. And that's <laughs> just not how you push players through, right? So I'm still hopeful, and I've, you know, the scouts, I've talked to scouts. I mean, I had a scout tell me that I saw Adley Rutschman and Spencer Torkelson on the same field, and Torkelson was the guy, uh-huh. right? So I am holding out um, – hope for Spencer Torkelson. I'm giving him a little bit extra leeway just because I think he, I I just, he was rushed. He lost a development year. I think it's still coming. I really do. Especially since he's hitting the ball so hard. My biggest disappointment, my biggest disappointment to answer that question. And it's going to be back to injuries. It's that Riley green got hurt. It's also no secret that I am probably the biggest Riley green fan on the planet. If you've ever seen my Twitter account. Um, And it's just what he can do with a bat in his hand is so different from from what I have seen from other players. And I, I am so excited. When Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green were coming up, I was telling everybody, Riley Green is the superstar. Spencer Torkelson is the really good player. And, I, I mean, I, I still see that kind of superstardom out of Riley Green. It's just I, I wanted him to be healthy, right? The, the injury is the biggest disappointment, the fact that he got hurt. From guys that I've seen live, when I've seen in person, when I go out and scout, uh, Riley Green has the second best hands at the plate of anybody I've ever seen. The only person who beats him is Wander Franco, and that's because Wander Franco's hands are out of this world and not real. Riley Green can hold his hands back. He can wait back and still hit the ball hard if he if he guesses wrong on velocity. He can use the whole field. He can adjust his bat head to get you know to go down and get something and nail it to the wall for a triple. Like it, he did that in AAA a couple years ago, so I'm pulling old facts, but he can do things like that at the plate and I think he is going to develop into one of the best players in the league. I just I cannot stop seeing it. Maybe that's a little aggressive, but I think he's going to be a very good player. I think he's going to make multiple all-star teams. I think that's a little more fair. I just see that kind of upside with him and it sucks that he got hurt and lost a little bit of that development. And I know there's a lot to be disappointed about with this team this year. I understand that. But that part, to me, him losing that, I just want him to be healthy and I want him to grow into the player that I think he can be. Yeah, I think you say he can be an all-star. I think he would have been an all-star this year um, if if not for the injury at 22 years old, which is just crazy to think about. And, um, yeah. It's and, just- and here's the other thing with Riley Green, not to cut you off. I'm sorry, John. But but as from a prospector standpoint, nobody's, everyone's saying Riley Green probably isn't a center fielder. Right. He might be able to stick out there for a little bit. He's probably not a center fielder. 
But once he got to the majors, he just kept getting better and better and better. And Riley Green could be your center fielder of the future, unless you want to move him off to put Dylan Cruz there. I'm ahead of myself. But you can, <laughs> you can, you, you know, he's turned himself into a very good center fielder or a viable center fielder, at least, especially playing center field in Comerica. That's a tough thing to do. So he's got that kind of, of proven work ethic based on just that defense. That's a, another huge point in his favor. Yeah, and it's definitely great to see the Tigers having a homegrown prospect like him. And I was just going to say that about the draft. Maybe they find another, you know, potential all-star outfielder to pair with them. But that's a little bit down the line. Um, later tonight, we'll find out about that. But to me, the guy I have to look at is Javier Baez. Got the big contract last offseason. And listen, I know he has flaws in this game. But I remember last year the hand injury, or that was the big talking point as well. He had the injury and he had a really strong ending to the year. And that was the hope heading into this season was, you know, the injury really hampered him and we were going to get back to seeing what he could be, which was what he was with the New York Mets. Probably not as good as that, but something pretty similar to that. And to this season, he's been one of the worst hitters in baseball, only has six home runs and 334 at bats. Um, it's been rough to see now defensively he's made some good plays and you know, he's obviously still a fun, exciting player to watch, but to me to see how bad he's been offensively and the fact that we still have him for another four years after this, cause he's not opting out of that contract. I mean, unless he just goes absolutely bonkers in the second half, it's just been really disappointing to see. Cause I was a believer in him. I gave him the benefit of the doubt last year and to say that he's been significantly worse than he was last year, uh, I think that's just absolutely shocking because I think a lot of people, especially with the ending of the last season, thought he was due for a bounce-back season, and it's been pretty unfortunate to see. I'll tell you what, with Javi, what I'm missing from him, honestly, give, I mean, we signed him for a big contract. It is what it is. He's on this team, right? So I'm not. there's no need to dwell on it. He's a Tiger. Great. His offense is bad. Great. That's not that's not great. But but let's if he's going to do that, if he's going to swing at sliders that are breaking away from him every single time, <laughs> that's his prerogative. He's the one getting paid all that money to do it. What I'm missing from Javi is that jolt of electricity that he's always been known for. That is the Javi that you're not seeing in Detroit. The guy who makes a tag between his legs. The guy who makes something happened on a bunt running down the first baseline. I think that was him against Pittsburgh a few years back, right? You're missing yep. that jolt of electricity that comes from Javi Baez. You could have looked at anything. The Tigers decision makers, when they signed him, even though they're probably not there anymore, they were still, they still had access to more information than we did. And we could tell you that he probably wasn't going to be that great of a hitter. We could tell you he was going to swing and miss a lot. We could tell you all that stuff. But what you could still see from him, and the reason that I gave him any sort of positive excitement when the signing happened, was because uh, you talk to the people who have been in locker rooms. There's a beat writer from New York who I talked to directly, and he just said, you don't know what he does in that locker room. He provides energy. He provides that electricity. And that is what you're not seeing from Detroit Tiger era Javi Baez. And I think that's what I'm missing most from him. Yeah, but yeah, I think that to me has to be my day's biggest disappointment just because I just didn't think it could get worse than last year. And I think it's been significantly worse than last year, um, which has been pretty shocking to me. But um, yeah, if we move on to our last topic before we want to obviously get into the draft and answer some questions in the chat, it was the first half MVP. And I know me and Youper kind of went over this on the show last week, but I kind of I didn't cheat with my answer, but I, I kind of I said AJ Hinch so I can go with a player. But I'll start with you, Trevor, who has been it doesn't have to be a player if you want to say AJ Hinch or Scott Harris, that's fine. But who has been your first half MVP for the Detroit Tigers? Uh as a player, Colt Keith. <laughs> uh no. <laughs> um I was going to go with a coach anyway. I was gonna say Chris Fetter. I mean, I can't get over it. it the, it's looked easy the last two years for the Tigers to be like, all right, we're going to call this guy up and he's going to pitch well. That is not easy to do. The fact that they've been able to pull relievers to just be good for some reason, uh, the fact that they've been able to pull starters, depth starters, who can just go out there and compete, that is so hard to do. And it's so hard to have that number of players that can do that adequately at a major league level. And so I think Chris Fetter or 
who, uh, or whoever else is going along with that pitching development, all those coaches, they have to be the MVP because you just keep losing people. And the pitching seems to just continue to stay at a flat level. It might have dipped a little bit, but it's it's relatively flat. And that's all you can ask when you lose every pitcher, whoever wears your uniform to injury. That was a good one. You predicted, I believe yours was McKinstry, right? Last time. Yeah, I went with McKinstry for lack of a better, but you know, the more I thought about it over the week, I'm still, he's been obviously slowed down quite a bit, but he really carried that team for, you know, a solid month there uh, in May where he, when he was just, you know, seemed like he was on base all the time. Um, so he's a fair answer to me, but I'm going to go with Foley. Uh, I really like Jason Foley. He's kind of become a semi-dominant reliever. He's been somebody they can count on uh, in the eighth, but also the ninth inning when they, when they wanted him in the ninth, when uh, Lang's either been unavailable or having his issues. Um, to me, he's a trade chip worth exploring. Uh, I don't know what that doesn't necessarily make him their MVP, but I just think he's their best reliever. Um, I think that if they can get something significant back for him, they should move him. Uh, but I think he's been a steady force. Uh, he's had a lot of just easy outings uh, out of the bullpen. Uh, and again, for a team that's had so many, it's just hard to give an MVP to a guy who, you know, who's missed so much time. I mean, obviously it'd be Riley Green if he'd been if he'd played more. It'd be Kerry uh, Carpenter possibly if he'd played more. Uh, but Foley's been there the whole way, and he's been impressive. Yeah, I think that was my answer too, player-wise, was Jason Foley, just because how much they've leaned on him, how solid he's been. And, like, with Alec Lange, as good as he's been, we've obviously seen ups and downs from him. We haven't really seen that with Jason Foley. I think he's just been really, really consistent. Um, but you did bring up trading Jason Foley. We've got Trevor on here. I want to ask him about the trade deadline because that's been a hot topic on the podcast, just what the Tigers should do, who they should trade, who they should keep. Um, I want to hear from you, Trevor. What do you think the Tigers are planning to do this trade deadline, and what do you think is the right move or the right moves for them um, heading into this trade deadline? I think the answer to both is sell. I think they're probably looking to sell whatever they can, if, if they can, and I think that is the right call because you have a young core right now. If you can sell off a reliever, you can sell off uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, and you can bring in prospects, I think that's the move they want to go because – what what what's been talked about a lot is that bottom of the roster, bottom of the forty man churning that Scott Harris has been doing, and he's just been going to get a guy and figuring out maybe you know taking a flyer and he's churning that roster. And what he's really doing, and what he and his his coworkers are doing, uh, are trying to get their guys in the organization. And I think selling some people who maybe aren't their guys and getting more guys that they want in the organization is how they take a step forward with what's already there. They don't need to get rid of everybody. Right. But you look at, at the trade they made when they sent um, uh, Joe Jimenez to Atlanta and they brought back in Justin Henry Malloy. And we immediately got the press conference and he said, this is what we're looking for. We want batters who can control the zone. Here's the thing. If you want batters who can control the zone, uh, what the previous regime gave you was anything but that. So what they need to do is come back and try to find these guys that they can have control of the zone, the guys who have that zone presence. And obviously there are some guys who do it, right? Like, I mean, they, they obviously love Colt Keith. They're going to love guys like I, I think Isaac Pacheco fits that mold. He controls his own pretty well, but they're going to want to go get guys who kind of fit that mold and they have a pitcher mold too. Uh, and they're going to try to go and maybe find a, a, a prospect who fits that. But I think that selling is the right move so they can get their guys in just so they can start working towards their ultimate vision. Yeah, I would agree with that. Getting like Scott Harris guys, I think mm -hmm. we saw that this offseason, getting a couple guys in here. But I think he really is going to want to revamp this team potentially at the trade deadline, but then definitely in the offseason, kind of not overhauling, but in a sense an overhaul, just kind of getting players that fit what he's looking for on his roster. Hey, real quick, yeah. did we get Trevor's MVP? Chris yeah, Fetter and the rest of the pitching development team. I'm sorry. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't yeah. name a player. My fault, man. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I did not name a player. That's true. If you want me to okay. name a player, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Without stealing yeah. your guys. Yeah. Um, can we go for like that one or two weeks or whatever it was of Jake Rogers? Because <laughs> that was just that was just shocking. I mean, the dude we haven't seen we haven't even heard from the guy in two years, it seems like, and he comes back and goes on this absolute tear. I thought that was one of the more fun storylines or narratives, at least, that the Tigers have had this year. 
Yeah, we haven't even really <laughs> mentioned him, but he's been leading. He led the Tigers in home runs for the majority of the season. And yeah. like, if, you, if you look at his numbers and compare him to like Salvador Perez, who's an all-star, they're not too far off. So to say like Jake Rogers has had an all-star year as a catcher, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's too crazy to say. And it's great to see he's 28 years old. So we I don't really know if he's a long-term piece, if he can be a, a, a solution for them at catcher. But I think hopefully for the next two or three years, he can be a guy that can hit you 15 to 20 home runs. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that has a high average as we've seen. It's his average has been under 200 most of the year, but if he's a guy that can get you some big home runs and and handle the pitching staff pretty well, um, by no means did they win the Justin Verlander trade, but at least you can say you got something for him. And um, I think that's been definitely one of the biggest surprises. And I think he deserves to be talked about as well. Um, but yeah, that was all we had. If you guys want to leave any questions down in the chat, um, we can get to them, but I think now we're kind of just going to move on, uh, do a little draft preview. Uh, if there's any other topics or questions you guys wanted to cover, feel free to, to bring them up. But I mean, how are we feeling tonight with the draft finally upon us? Uh, nerves, thoughts, opinions, questions. You probably start with you. Uh, draft night is finally here for the Tigers. It's exciting. You know, it's, uh, uh, automatic influx of a highly talented player into a system that's starved for a few more uh, highly talented players. Uh, third overall pick should be someone who you can plug in. It's going to be an automatic, probably top three prospect in the organization, if not number one or number two behind Cole Keith. Um, there are three premier college players in this draft that has been talked about for weeks and weeks on end. Skeens, Cruz, Langford. The Tigers are guaranteed one of them if they want to have one of them. So that is an excellent uh, beginning. However, we know a lot of things go into it. We know bonus slots go into it. How much money some of these guys are going to want. Are they going to want to save some money to get some other people at pick 37 and 45 or in rounds 4, 5, and 6 or wherever? So it's going to give us a lot of insight the next three days here of the draft uh, into Scott Harris's MO, how he wants to approach these things, uh, what opportunities he sees and what he pursues. So to me, it's very intriguing. Uh, who are they going to get? Who knows? I mean, I saw a stray rumor from some guy in California who covers the angels that they were looking the tigers were talking to Jacob Gonzalez. Now I'm sure they're talking to everybody. Really? I don't think they're going to get Jacob Gonzalez, but that's the first time I heard that was today. So I guess it's, you throw that in the hopper. Uh, it's just going to be very exciting to see, what direction they take it, and also what Pittsburgh and Washington does before them and to see who lands in Detroit's lap. Yeah, what about you, Trevor? Uh, this brick wall behind me is for me to run through when the Tigers draft Dylan Cruz. That's how I'm <laughs> feeling. It's um, Here's the thing. Like Uper said, the Tigers are going to get a good player tonight. They have third overall. There's, there's a big three in this draft, so they are guaranteed it if they want it. The biggest question heading into the draft is not – who for me is not who the who will the Tigers get? It is do the Nationals love Paul Skeens as much as it seems like they do, and that is based on what you can read publicly. That's based on some conversations I've had. Do the Nationals love Paul Skeens as much as it seems like? Because if they do, the Tigers are getting a hitter, and if they don't, there's a chance that the Tigers are not getting a hitter, and that is not getting a hitter, getting having Paul Skeens be the one to fall is the scariest outcome for me personally. It's not because I don't like Skeens. I know Skeens is as a generational of a pitching prospect as you can get. Okay, I understand that. Um, what I have thought about in my head trying to think about how to articulate this, and I, I talked about this on the draft preview on Locked on Tigers with Scott Bentley just the other day, mm-hmm. is that the Tigers have proven that they can make pitchers. They can make pitchers out of nothing, it seems like. So for me, I would love to get a hitter. And if if Langford and Cruz are off the board and the Tigers decide they want to go with Kyle Teal, who seems like he is the, the backup hitting option, I'm perfectly okay with that. I actually really like Kyle Teal. I think he's going to make somebody very happy. Now, he's not Cruz and Langford at all. But if they want to go the college bat route, Teal's are still a really good he's – a, he's a catcher who is, uh, who's been described as having a near-elite hit tool. I've gone back and watched his games. His hit tool is fantastic. His power is 
uh, coming up. He's, he's shown more power last year than he's had. So I think Kyle Teal is going to be great. I think there is going to be a player there that can make this team better. I just don't necessarily – I would prefer not to be a pitcher. There's no, there's no world where I walk away with Paul Skeens and be like, oh, come on. Right? <laughs> I'm still happy about it. But yeah. I, would, I think I'd prefer it to be a hitter. And if the Nationals love Skeens, that takes him completely off the table and the Tigers get Cruiser Langford. And Cruiser Langford are the, uh, I think, the prizes of this draft. Yeah, I think that to me is the big question is, it, let's say why uh, Cruz and Langford go one and two and they're sitting there with the choice of Paul Skeens or I think Kyle Teal, we've talked about them drafting Kyle Teal and then saving money for later in the draft. Is that something you could see the Tigers doing, Trevor? And would you be upset with them taking Teal at three and, and passing on a, a Paul Skeens to save money later in the draft? Is that Do you think that could be a possibility for them? Uh, I'm going to split that question up. One, I would love Teal. Uh, I don't I, saving money, not saving money. I would love Kyle Teal. Um, I would prefer Langford and Cruz, but I think Kyle Teal is a good outcome for tonight. But I don't know that you have to do that to save money. So part of the rumors and part of how Dylan Cruz is going to fall to the Tigers tonight, and I put that in quotes because we don't know what's going to happen, but is that the Pirates have a history of trying to save money at the top of the draft. And the, uh, the Pirates have the most bonus pool money of any team this year. So they might say, hey, we're going to take somebody we can get under slot. We might try to get Langford under slot because Cruz is supposed to be the guy. And all of a sudden, Langford goes first, uh, Skeens goes second because the Nationals love him and the Tigers get Cruz, right? That, that's a beautiful outcome for the Tigers. I don't think the Tigers need to save money. Guess who has the second most money in draft capitals or in, dra in pool space? It's the Tigers. And it's not that much less than the Pirates. And when you look at how drafts go, you can save money by picking up your college senior pitchers in rounds five to 10, because that's kind of where they go. So if you want to, if you end up with Kyle Teal and you save money, you can shoot big at 37. If you wind up with Dylan Cruz, you can go safe at 37. But I don't think you plan to go under just so you can go big at 37. I think you play to whatever's there at the time and have a couple of different plans. Yeah, and another plan would be Walker Jenkins and Max Clark in terms of comparing them because you say there's a big three in, in this draft. So how big of a drop-off are those two outfielders and, you know, how like comparing them to, to Cruz and Langford, do they still have all-star potential or do you think the Tigers would be better off uh, taking a Kyle Teal or a Paul Skeens and, and passing on Clark and Jenkins? Clark and Jenkins have all-star potential. They have that upside. They have the potential to be the best players in this draft. But what separates Langford, Cruz, Skeens, and then Jenkins and Clark is the risk factor. You're taking a prep guy. You're taking on a ton more risk because you have to develop so much of their skill versus getting Dylan Cruz. You don't have to develop much of his skill. You just have to push him along, right? And that's kind of the difference when you're talking about a college guy versus a, a prep guy. Also, I don't know uh, how tapped into the internet Scott Harris and company are, but if they take a high school player tonight, um, they might not have an office to work in come tomorrow morning because somebody might burn it down. Um, I, I don't, I, as a fan base, I don't think that many have gotten over the drafting of Jackson Job. And so now every prep guy is the enemy. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of where it is, unfortunately. <laughs> Hey, Jackson Job, uh, he went two and a third scoreless today. <laughs> Look, uh, you know what? I'll use this platform too. Jackson Job was a good pick. He is a data unicorn. He has two pitches that have elite spin numbers. His fastball is at like 2,500. His slider or curveball, whatever you want to call it, I'm pretty sure it's a slider, is 3,000 RPMs. Preach it. Yeah. Those are two unicorn numbers. Usually you're looking for a guy who can have one of those unicorn numbers. He's got two of them. And he's learning how to pitch. If you watch Jackson Job first outing, we got to see him in Bradenton, and you watch Jackson Job now, you can't look at me and tell me he hasn't made those giant leaps and bounds that Youp's looking for from Spencer Torkelson. He learned how to pitch, and he's a good pitcher. And I know that there's still a ton of risk because of all the injuries. He had his back injury. I get that. I also understand that maybe you want Marcelo Mayer in that draft. I get that too. But the fact that we didn't get him, and again, I said it earlier, like we, I, I like to deal with what happened. I don't want to look, I don't like looking back and be like, oh, we could have had Mayer, right? We don't have Mayer. We have Jackson Job. And if you look at Jackson Job as a baseball player, 
it's exciting. And that's kind of where I stand on it. And that's that's completely right. I, I, it's, <laughs> I was I was a Marcelo Mayer guy on the day, you know, leading, mm-hmm. weeks leading up to that draft. But they took Job, they got him. He's theirs. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. you're right. That, that's baked in now. And mm-hmm. the people who want to call him a bust are just the people who really like to complain. It's way too early. Uh, he had a back injury. Okay, he's a young guy. You said he has the unicorn pitches. I agree with that. It's way too early to just uh, write him off and say the Tigers blew that one. It still could work out just fine. So, you know, the, this is a game. I wanted Mayer too, by the way. I was right with sure. you. I think we were on the draft show. That was our first draft show that, or that Raj put on. I think we were both on it. And, yeah. and we were all talking like, it's Mayer time. He fell. It's Mayer time. <laughs> and then it wasn't, which yeah. was a little upsetting. But I, I still think, I don't know. I, I like that. Plus, uh, yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, Plus, he's, you he's get mad. a long way from a write-off. There's no doubt about it. Plus you get Madden, plus you get Pacheco, and that that overall is, is a solid donuts. top three there. <laughs> what, what uh, did I just <laughs> you can tell we have people who've been drinking on vacation here. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, um, what I want to just real quick, as far as tonight goes, I'm someone I've always been in favor, if it makes sense, to try to get as draft as many good players as possible and to use the uh, bonus pool aggressively to maybe pay some others a little bit more uh, later in the draft and to increase your talent base. I get all that. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it, but I just really think this is one of those cases where there are three real studs at the top of the draft who, with college experience. And when you're guaranteed walking away with one of them, if you want to, I don't think this is the time to play the games. I really don't. I mean, if they do it fine, there's arguments to be made for it that I won't refute, okay? But I think even if it's Paul Skeens, you walk away with him and you're really happy and you still have a large bonus pool to play around with afterwards and to still make some things happen and a good front office can do that. So I'll be... Again... I'm, I won't be burning, you know, throwing pitchforks at uh, Woodward Avenue if they don't walk away with one of those three tonight, but I will be mildly disappointed. Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, we kind of got into Jackson Job, and that kind of got me thinking like long term picture for the Tigers and, and your thoughts on let's say they do draft an outfielder, Cruiser Langford falls with them, or maybe they draft Skeens. Trevor, and then we'll get to, obviously, me and Youper's thoughts. What do you think the Tigers' timeline is, obviously, factoring in the draft tonight? What do you think, realistically, that is getting back to contention? Is it this draft, and then do they need a trade deadline in an offseason, or do you think they need a couple more seasons before they can realistically put themselves in contention uh, for the AL Central and eventually a World Series? What do you think that could look like for the Tigers getting back to where we want them to be? Um, I, I don't think you're looking that far off um, because right now what you're set up to do is have the young pitchers like uh, Scooble, Mize, Manning, who can be in your rotation unless they decide to trade one of them. I'm not saying I'm for that, but, uh, you know, they, they probably should. Um, but you have one of those guys, right? And you have them who can kind of anchor your rotation. And then you're going to have the veteran bats by that point, hopefully, of Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. And look at where the big-name hitting prospects are right now. You might get uh, Parker Meadows sooner than later before the end of the year. Colt Keith is is just climbing up that board. Justin Henry Malloy is right there. You have the young guys who are already up. You have everything right there. And that's one of the reasons that a prep guy doesn't make sense this draft. Because if you take Langford, you take Skeens, you take Cruz, you're getting a guy who is going to be coming up right as you're getting your current core of hitting prospects. And so that's when I think that push gets made, right? So you'll have Keith eventually uh, to go along with Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, maybe Dylan Cruz or Wyatt Langford. Maybe you have Paul Skeens to, to sit at the top of your rotation there. It doesn't really matter. And then you fill in the holes with free agency. All of a sudden you have a team that's competing. And maybe if the Tigers played in the AL East, this would be a longer road to get back to contention. The Tigers play in the AL Central where if you can put a team on the field and keep them healthy for a full season, you're probably in 
spitting distance of first place, if not there. It is not good baseball right now. And that plays to the Tigers' advantage because they can make a push with their young guys, get their young guys the experience, and still, assuming these players are what we think they are, which is never a given, that's what baseball is, but we can still make that push to win an AL Central, make it back to the playoffs. Then you get to the playoffs with the group, right? And then next year, you have guys who have been there. It's just they have the guys right now, and I think that Scott Harris is going to aim to make that push hopefully next year. Matt, what are your thoughts on that? You, you think next year's the year the Tigers could re- really get back into contention? For the Central Division, yes, no question. There's nobody else in the division that scares me as some behemoth that they'll never catch, right? Um, certainly there are a couple of decent teams in the division, but no one they need to fear. Um, if, if they're aggressive this offseason – fill some holes, and then just get a little bit of that luck that they haven't had with injuries. Uh, and Some of those young guys develop. Why can't they win 88 to 90 games next year? Because they're probably going to win, you know, 75-ish this year with a team that's been ravaged by injuries and have some players who weren't quite ready yet. So, and they're also coming off an offseason where they didn't really add anybody of note. Uh, they made some nice small moves like Holton and so on, but they didn't really, they weren't aggressive. They, you know, they had the world's worst offense last year. And they did very little to improve it. I would hope that would not be the case this year. I would think the timeline will be uh, moved up a little bit uh, to to compete, at least for the division next year, and then keep taking those steps toward what we all want is a World Series contender in the next two or three in a perfect yeah. world. Yeah, and I think getting an impact player at the top of this year's draft is huge to pair them with Riley Green, and then you hope Torkelson – continues to take steps forward. That's like your big three in a sense offensively. And then you have guys like Parker Meadows, Colt Keith, Justin Henry Malloy, Jace Young. You could see an offense that's starting to be built there along with if Scott Harris can continue to find these under-the-radar guys to kind of build depth. We know he likes multi-positional guys um, if he continue to find players like that. And then pitching-wise, you have Jackson Job coming up. You have Ty Madden. And then you still have Mize Manning and Scooble, who, to be fair, Scooble's looked really good uh, since coming back from injury, and, and Manning's looked pretty solid as well. So there are pieces in place. I think it's about, like I said this on the last pod, just keeping them healthy and just kind of getting um, a little bit more development out of that, you know, a little more consistency out of those young players. But I do think the Tigers have a realistic chance uh, to compete in the AL Central. It's a very, very weak division. But I think obviously tonight the draft is, is going to play a huge part in that future for the Tigers, and it'll be really, really interesting to see. But um, I did have one more question, and that was obviously as baseball fans, baseball is – there's a lot of great moments in baseball, obviously growing up, a lot of great memories. Is there any moments or memories from the first half of this season you guys would like to talk about and kind of highlight anything that's kind of stuck with you that, you know, maybe a couple years down the line you'll – you'll remember from the first half of, of the 2023 season. Um, anything come to mind for you guys? Reese Olsen's okay. debut. Reese Olsen's debut. I was I was pushing as much Reese, Reese Olsen content as I could for the past couple of years. He got added to the 40-man. I even was pushing preseason like, hey, he might be the next relief guy that the Tigers bring out. They just put him in the bullpen out of spring training. They didn't. I'm glad they didn't because he got a chance to start, but – um, he was kind of one of the first uh, guys that I looked at for the Tigers, and I was like, man, he could really become something. Uh, and, and I think I, I very much am going to remember his debut. Youper, anything come to mind for you? Well, I think, you know, the before the injury, seeing Riley Green look like the player we were hoping he's going to be, uh, that's going to be something that sticks with you. As hopefully the because last year obviously was injury marred, he was he was a young guy. He was a little mediocre last year. He really started to look like a star player in in May, especially in May of this year. Uh, and hopefully that's just something he stays healthy and we see that grow and grow and grow and grow. But I'll just remember that as kind of hopefully uh, the blossoming uh, of uh, what we all hope to see with with Riley Green. Yeah, we had a comment and said May. I mean, the month of May was a pretty good month for the Tigers. I believe they went 16 and 11. I think for me, Eduardo Rodriguez, kind of seeing the run he went on, I remember that start against the Guardians where he was just unbelievable. Um, I mean, that was the best run we've seen from a Tigers starting pitcher 
probably since, I mean, Verlander when he was pitching at a Cy Young level. I mean, when he went down with injury, he was in the conversation for the Cy Young. I believe he was leading the American League in ERA. So that was really, really fun to see. And it, it doesn't look like he's going to be here long term. But, um, you know, seeing a pitcher be able to dominate like that, it was pretty fun. Having a guy take the mound every fifth day and you expect to win. Um, that's not something we've really been accustomed to over these last couple of years. <laughs> and then uh, Miguel Cabrera, I think Miguel Cabrera hitting a home run. I mean, obviously he's picked it up as of late, but I, I'll be honest. I wasn't really expecting him to Homer. You know, you were getting into, it was a couple months into the season. It kind of looked like he was going to be a guy that could poke it down the right or left field line, uh, you know, hit a couple doubles to, to see him, you know, poke one out. Maybe he has a couple more left in his bat, but I think that was pretty good to see. And, um, yeah, I, I, I was just not expecting him to homer this year. And to see that, I, I hope we have a couple more good Miguel Cabrera memories. I know he had a walk-off earlier in the year as well. but um, yeah, I love baseball Miguel. because this guy with 508 home runs gave us these feel-goods because he hit a home run. We're like, oh, we didn't know he could do that still. <laughs> yeah it is that was yeah that was crazy but um yeah those are the only real moments i had i i think jonathan scope getting dfa'd uh which we haven't really even talked about we do have a couple minutes before the tiger minor league report will go live but in terms of jonathan scope getting dfa'd it was something that was heavily speculated for a while um it, it finally happened he had a, a a pretty decent run with the tigers four years uh, had a good season in 2021, obviously 22 and 23 um, weren't the best, but uh, just your final thoughts on Jonathan scope and just to say your farewell to Jonathan <laughs> scope as a Detroit Tiger. You hate to see somebody lose their job from a human yeah. standpoint, obviously um, hopefully that's going to be good for the team, but I'll tell you what uh, I will always, always, always remember seeing Jonathan scope hit a home run to center field in Comerica. I, if I just remember that he did that once and that is his legacy as a tiger to me is that he put one in the bushes in center. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it was time. Uh, he had to, it was, you know, they need to devote the uh, playing time to other players. Um, he had not produced anything close to a competent major league level in quite some time. Uh, we can talk about how the two-year contract was a mistake said. So at the time, couldn't believe they did it. Uh, and they paid the price for it, but that was done by a regime that's been swept out. So there's no really reason to uh, dwell on it much more than that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I guess with a couple of minutes left, if you guys just want to give your f final prediction for tonight and if the chat wants to play along, uh, what is your official prediction for what the Tigers do with the number three overall pick? Uh, you probably start with you. I'm going to say it's going to be, uh, Dylan Cruz, and then pick 37, I am hoping for Colton Ledbetter from Mississippi State. Okay, Trevor? This wall's not just decoration. It's fake and digital. But I'm still going with uh, Dylan Cruz as my pick because I would love that. And then if we want to talk 37, I don't think he's going to fall that far. I think he's going to go at the end of the first round. But a shortstop named Walker Martin. I was doing my final draft research today, and as it turns out, I saw one swing, and that is who I would like the Tigers to get at 37 because, oh, <laughs> my gosh. Look, no, I'm serious. I, it's, it takes a lot. I've seen way too much baseball in my life already, and I'm not even old. But it takes a lot for me to see something and go, oh, my God. And I, I watched him hit a home run, and I went, oh, my God. Like it's, <laughs> It just it hit me in that way, and I'm thinking, I don't think he's going to make it all the way down, but if he does – and the Tigers can get him and afford him, oh, that would be so amazing. Yeah, nice. I'm not too too familiar with the guys that the Tigers could take at 37, but I think Paul Skeens is probably going to the Nationals, so it really just depends on who Pittsburgh wants to take. Um, so if it is Walker Jenkins, then Dylan Cruz would be great, but I'm, I'm a big Walker Jenkins fan as well. I think he's a guy that really controls the strike zone like Scott Harris is going to look for. Oh, I'm not, not Walker Jenkins, Wyatt Langford. Um, I'm a really big fan of him, and I think if he falls to three, that would be great. But I'll, I'll go Wyatt Langford. I think Pittsburgh is going to go with Dylan Cruz. Uh, Washington will go Skeens, and then Wyatt Langford uh, will hopefully go to the Tigers at number three. But it'll be interesting, and I think it being unpredictable is a good thing. I think 
not really knowing what to expect. I think these last couple of years, we kind of knew Torkelson was going to get picked by the Tigers. We kind of had a feeling with Riley Green and Casey Mize. I think it being unpredictable this year is definitely a good thing. But, um, yes, that takes us right up to 7 o'clock. So if you guys all – thank you, everyone who tuned in. If you guys want to go to the Tigers Minor League Report YouTube channel, that's where Raj, Krish, and all of our special guests will be. Um, to preview the draft and give you more great content heading in to the Tigers pick. Uh, the draft starts at 8 o'clock tonight. Um, so, enjoy yeah, the draft. enjoy the draft. Thank you, everyone, for watching. This is the biggest audience I've ever seen us have. And, uh, <laughs> yes, thank you, Trevor, for joining. They were all here for Trevor Huth, obviously. Yes. And, um, yes, <laughs> enjoy the draft. Enjoy the Tigers minor league report show. I'm sure I will see you guys in the chat. But, yeah. We'll see you guys soon.